This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. See you later. Travelling contingent from South Yorkshire to West Yorkshire once again on the Wednesday supporters already in good point. It's in line with the edge of the Huddersfield Town penalty area. A couple of step overs and now the cross into the ball! Oh! oh Fletcher! The Sheffield Wednesday and what a start for the Owls and what a start for the new manager Gary Moon. The Wednesday Week Podcast, a strictly unbiased view on Sheffield Wednesday, the world's greatest football club. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday Week, the Sheffield Wednesday Fans Podcast. Um, For two weeks in a row, I am uh, your noble host. My name is Eddie, and uh, I'm joined by some absolutely wonderful Sheffield Wednesday fans. Um, so, without further ado, let's get into introductions. Uh, first on the line, we have uh, Stevie Spence. Stevie, good evening, sir. Good evening, Eddie. How are you? I'm not so bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, all good. Really good, especially it's after not- Sunday. Uh, yeah, it's not been a bad yeah, seven bad. days, has it, for the old uh, for the old Wednesday no, no. fans? Um, for for uh, fans who are, are listening who um, are of a certain age, uh, let's not get confused here. Stevie Spence is not Stevie Splash, the nineteen eighties uh, pitch side announcer. Um, he is in fa- <laughs> he, he is in fact a, a current generation Wednesday fan, and uh, we thank you for your presence, Stevie. Also here tonight, we only have 
Simon returning again. Simon Hill, good evening, sir. Hello, Eddie. Uh, good evening to you, sir. Awesome. And and uh, just let's bring the listenership into your world tonight. What, what can you see around you tonight? Where are you uh, broadcasting from? I'm sat at my dining room table. I have um, a glass of lovely sparkling water in a a pint of bomber ale glass and then next to it i have a christmas sheffield wednesday mug with my green tea in it so completely sober for september getting ready for my um losing my liver and kidneys for october sounds very very south stand to me that but uh, yes <laughs> it's All it's co- actually grandstand i'm, I'm a grandstand <laughs> uh, family stand uh lubber uh, with 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 uh, yes, no swearing. Uh, we eat prawn sandwiches and we look down on you all. <laughs> well, and quite literally because you're so high up. Quite literally, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and finally for tonight, uh, the best use of these two letters since LL Cool J. It's Laura Lawrence back again. Good evening, madam. Good evening, Eddie. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all, thank you. Um, so, is it the part of the green tea revolution that uh, that you're you're joining tonight or not? No, massive glass of red wine. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm rolling as well tonight. Um, so, it's been a uh, a bit a bit of a back to action week in the the world of Wednesday, hasn't it? This week, so uh, we had the international break. Uh, uniquely, I think, for Wednesday nothing happened we've kind of got used to our players being seconded out and generally playing for fairly disappointing teams internationally in these breaks but it was kind of a a clean slate so we approach the Huddersfield game on Sunday with a clean bill of health and we approached it with um, a need to kind of get back on track after two disappointing results and of course it was Gary Monk's first game in charge of Wednesday. Uh, Stevie, in terms of the team selection that came out on Sunday, uh, how did you feel that, you know, did, was is Gary Monk putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is my club now? Or was it really kind of continuity and carrying on with uh, the way that Lee Bullen had set up the team? Um little from column A and a little from column B, in my opinion, to be honest with you. There, were, there, there was nothing out there that was a, a major surprise, was there? Um, maybe I all for going in at centre-half raised a few eyebrows, especially with Bates on the, on the bench, um, especially after the Rotherham game. And once he'd settled in against Rotherham, I thought he looked pretty steady. Um, so I was, I was quite surprised there. And um, he's back Moses as well, hasn't he? Uh, putting Moses back in was... Um, a little bit of a gamble after the uh, the Preston game, but um, he's put him back in. And um, other than that, it was it was pretty much par for the course, really. Yeah, I, I don't want to make a uh, you know Moses and parting of the sea pun just yet because I'm sure he's going to have a mistake <laughs> in him that's going to let us all uh, double down on that one. But yeah, it it definitely was. Uh, I mean, look, Tom Lees was injured. There was no way he was going to play. So this is not a tactical thing, but. Um, it kind of felt, didn't it, Simon, that uh, if there was a question mark with that team selection, it was, you know, we're playing with two players who haven't exactly covered themselves in glory at the back going into the game. I think you obviously look at the QPR game and you look at the fact that, you know, Lee was injured in warm-up. So Odebaggio had been dropped, had to come in. Um, I offer went in a position that I don't, like him in that position um 
But on Sunday, I thought he played very well. I thought he, he, he <clears throat> his pace uh, helped him out as normal. But but certainly, I, I looking at the game and looking at sort of the reactions afterwards, um, I didn't have a problem. Didn't have a problem. Did he have a, not have a problem because Huddersfield were pretty inept up front? I don't know. Um, we'll see on if he plays in the same position on Saturday, won't we? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I, in fact, I, you know, from my point of view, I felt like it was uh, it wasn't so much is this are these boys going to be able to do a job given the task that's at hand. Uh, I think we'd seen in the last two games the impact that. Um, having Tom Lee's next to him, the the change in the performance um, of Burner, that was almost my biggest worry. You know, Laura, how did you feel um, that that we dealt with the fact that uh, you know Burner was almost having to do the the the, you know, the leadership role in that back four as well as actually just replacing the pure talent of Tom Lee's in his absence? Well, I've I've always made a bit of a, a thing about. Tom Lee's been captain anyway because I don't think he's authoritative enough mm-hmm. um, and I hoped that Berner would would sort of be a bit more captain like because he was captain uh, at his old club wasn't he or oh yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wasn't so bothered about him at the back I was quite worried about Io for going in at centre back Mm. Um, especially because we have Sa- we did have Sam Hutchinson and he could have dropped back quite easily into that role for consistency purposes. Um, uh, my major issue is with Odebayo, uh is that I just don't like him as a fullback. I think he puts uh, he puts Westwood certainly under unnecessary pressure. There was like I, I... one or two passbacks yeah. in the first half where Westwood had to clear it out of play. Just because he made some awful decisions. I watched it again today. I have to agree with you, Laura. I, I, last time I was on, I questioned how you know his positioning, positional sense, etc. And I watched it again today. And you're absolutely right. And, and when you've got a left back, it was it Congolo who probably had more chances than anybody. You know, he's coming down that 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 wing, and 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 a left backs having more chances against us than their strikers. And you've got uh, Odebaggio drifting too deep in and letting that left left back come down that wing and having a go. Again, I don't know. He scares me. Scares me. Do, do you feel, even given that, that this, uh, you know, this little run, are we seeing what Julian Burner can be in terms of a, you know, a leader in that defensive four, but also, you know, he kind of seems to really relish being the guy back there. And I think he showed a little bit of kind of captain spirit. He he seemed really, really in control. And he's he's almost really embracing, you know, the the fact that he's not Tom Lee's um, able assistant at the moment. He he really does feel like he's he's grown into it and he wants to demonstrate that he he can be the guy back there. I think that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it, isn't it? He seems to be evolving into a position, in, into that sort of position of the the leader without an armband, really, doesn't he? Um, he is calm. Um, you know, he's, he's he's very assured on the ball. He's very sort of authoritative without the ball as well. He does it, everything he does. He's sort of really understated as well, isn't it? So um, you know, yeah, you have total confidence there, don't you? 
yeah, he's efficient, isn't he? You look at him, he, he, exactly looks, he looks like the German player. I mean, I know he's played for Germany, I think, under 18s, under 19s, under 21s. You know, he, he's, he's obviously been part of a coaching system, a very good coaching system. Um, but what I love about him is he just smiles all the time. He seems to be enjoying playing, <laughs> you know, and he, he, he's got that that clearance, that goal line clearance he made a few matches ago and the look on his face when he made that, which was almost like Sammy Winnell scoring the goal on Sunday. It was, he just seems to love and relish every minute he spends on the pitch. And how can, how can us as fans not like that? The fact that he looks like he absolutely loves playing for Wednesday through the entire game. You get other players and you think, Jesus, he doesn't look like he wants to have turned up today. But he looks like every minute of that game, he puts 100% in and he looks like he's enjoying it. Laura, a, gr- a grinning imbecile, is that what gets you going <laughs> when you're watching Wednesday? Oh, I thought you were going to talk about my husband then. But, uh, <laughs> uh, of course you want to see them happy. And I think that's big credit to Wednesday is the fact that Barner's uh, come across here and he's... But made no bones about the fact that he wanted to come and play in uh, in England, and it's like a lifelong dream. The fact that Wednesday, have, as a club, seem to have made him so welcome, he's clearly very happy and he's settled in really well. And the team, he's enjoying playing in the team. It's it's credit to Wednesday and to those players that he has settled in so well. He's certainly uh, shown that he's he was ready for this challenge, and I think um, you know when when Tom Lee's moved to Wednesday, I think almost those first ten games he set his stall out, and I think Burner's doing the same. And uh, that was just think, a post Warnock thing, though, wasn't it? Because well, yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, no, it was a little bit to be fair, but uh, uh, you know, certainly in terms of the, the quality of the performances, um, yeah, let's let's hope it continues because he really could be that. Uh, the kind of missing piece in the back four that actually will enable us to do you know slightly ridiculous things at fullback and and not need to worry too much because we've got a safe pair of hands at the back. Um, so we were away to a team that was you know, in theory massively underperforming. I think we we discussed it last week on the pod that they, they have lost so many key players that realistically could they expect anything more than a point from their first six games. Um, the opening salvos were were kind of back and forth. Was it any surprise to you, Stevie, when um, the the breakthrough came from uh, you know Kadeem Harris just doing what he has done so far this season, uh, running at players? But the quality of the cross is something that I, I think you know we've probably we, he's probably hinted at, but that must have been his best one yet in a Wednesday shirt. Absolutely, I think. Looking at it, it, it wasn't so much a surprise that he's done it. It was a surprise that he's done it for us because that sort of stuff never tends to happen when you get a new manager in. And we've gone through that many in the last few years. So you, you know, you've gone into the game on Sunday with all the stuff that was going on around the Cowleys and will they, won't they? And then out of nowhere, obviously, Monk's name has been mentioned. And you come in, you kind of, I don't know about you guys, but I, I went into Sunday thinking, crikey this is going to be a game where if, if we get a point out of it and it's going to be a, a ball draw, I think we were, we were alluding to the fact last week that it was, you know, it had Stonewall nil-nil written all over it, didn't it? Um, the, the, so early on that you get somebody that's going to go and get at a defender, do a little bit of a, bit of a trick, a lollipop, a step over, and then just beat the man for a change of pace and whip that ball in. 
stuff like that for Fletcher is bread and butter. And, I th- and you know, Harris is an absolute, is a godsend at the moment. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Um, I can't remember a time, uh, I think I've said this previously, I cannot remember a time where there's been a, a player that has excited me down at Hillsborough as much as he has. So I'm really pleased that he's there and it's, it's going well for him. And it's, you know, the end product is what happens at the end of those crosses. It's great that he's he's beating players and getting those crosses in. How important is it, Laura, that um, on the end of those balls, we have got Stephen Fletcher, who is in rude health right now as a striker. He seems to believe that every time he gets a, a chance inside the box, um, he's going to go for it. It's brilliant, isn't it? Because... If you think of him last season, he worked really hard last season and he was such a great player, but he wasn't quite getting the service that he deserved. Um, And with Harris down that wing, he is getting these pinpoint crosses to his head, putting it where he wants it. It's perfect for him. I mean, this is his third successive match he's scored in. This is like really good, healthy striker that we've got right now. Uh, and we need to keep feeding him. And Harris is that person. Harris, his acceleration is the bit that excites me. Because, like, mm. the bit that I used to love about David Durst was the way that he used to be able to go from 0 to 60 in, in about yeah. 10, in about two seconds. He, he could he got that power. Harris has got that same kind of power where he seems to take the ball and then knock it on. And he can chase it down and whip across him really quickly. That excites me um, because he can get down to the byline really quickly and get those crosses in. Yeah, Harris actually made the uh, second goal as well, didn't he? Because he, he mm. broke, he broke. Uh, yeah. I think it was a ball yeah. from from reach, was it to him? And he broke and then passed the ball back to Bannon for his cross into the box. Mm. It, that pace is something we've lacked in such a such a long mm. time. And I agree with Laura. He's a similar sort of build to Ursty as well. He's quite stocky. Yeah. When yeah. I first saw him, I thought, how can he be fast? You know, you, you tend to see these lads who are tall, long-legged. And then when we saw him first game at Hillsborough, I thought, love it, heck, he is quick. And 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 that turn of pace he had to put that cross in. You know, he, he was literally, I think he the the the, the right back there was actually in front of him. And by the time he turned and ran, Harris was past him and the ball was in the back of the net. Um, yeah, it's superb. I just wish we could also have somebody similar on the right wing and and then, well, <laughs> I think we'd be, we'd be flying. <laughs> well, you know what? We've, we've waited long enough to have uh, to have one winger who can do this. So, uh, you know, let's... I'm, let's gr- I'm greedy, Eddie. I'm greedy. I want them on both but no, I, And you know what? How good would it be? But no, I think you've absolutely nailed it there, Laurie, in terms of he has that drive, doesn't he, that he can... Um, he terrorises defences because they know he has pace. And so uh, they will do what they can to slow him down. They'll show him the outside, show him the outside, show him the outside. And then he can take one touch and then just drive in either into the box directly himself or he can get round them and pull that ball back. And it's, it, it really adds a different dimension to what we can do, um, you know, attacking-wise. And, and also, it really plays into our hands in terms of the way that we are... We're playing on the break again in the way that we did on that, in that first season under Carlos. It's something that we've not seen. And I think you know, teams have, have forgotten that we have the ability to do that. And that was so much of the element of surprise that we had. And, and we brought, you know, they brought so much success in that first season um, under Carvial. So, the... The rest of the first half, um, I think it was probably more even after we had 
that you know after we got the first goal. Um, there was a big penalty shout, wasn't there, Stevie, when Jacob Murphy went into the box and and got brought down. Do you feel that we were hard done to there? Do you feel that that was a, you know a fair decision given the uh, the circumstances? No, nailed on penalty. Absolutely. Simple as that. Sorry, if as far as I'm concerned, if that happens anywhere else on the pitch, if if that's on the halfway line, it's foul. And the thing that frustrates me about the the decisions that people make, if that's in the area, it's not a penalty, but on the halfway, it is. There's got to be that consistency um, in terms of a foul is a foul. He was in the area. He was clipped. I think there were three people around him, weren't they? Mm. Um, nobody's played the ball. He's been clipped on both sides. That is a penalty, as far as I'm concerned. I, I agree. The, the lad came across his, his path and just took him straight out. If it wasn't a penalty, then it, it, is it a booking for diving? You know, it, yeah, it, it, exactly. was, it was it were an absolute stonewall penalty. Stonewall penalty, that one. So given... Nobody's going the, to argue that there was, there, there, was, there was contact there. It was in the air. There was contact. The ball has not been played. For, for my money, that's a, it, it's an easy decision. So we're all sitting here and actually it's, it's, it's easy to talk about it because we've ended up winning the game. But given how flagrant that was, but also given what we're seeing in the Premier League at the moment and the confusion and, let's be honest, uh, the, shit, the shit show that is VAR, do we feel that... Do we, would we sooner have those decisions go against us or would we sooner have... Um, VAR implemented the way that it has been so far and take our chances. They seem to be making VAR like it is without having VAR though, aren't they? The, 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 I, I was under the impression that it was this all-conquering takes all the issues out of it and then it seems to be proving that it's not. Um, let's just go back to having it as it was. If we're if we're not going to, we decide not to use it when we should be using it, and using it when we shouldn't be using it. And uh, Christ Almighty, it, it it's ridiculous. It, it's not the answer. I don't think it's the answer, is it? The problem well, is that they brought VAR, VAR in and changed the laws at the same time. What they hmm. should have done is brought VAR in under the old laws, so that the referees were actually uh, sure <laughs> of what the new laws were. <laughs> Um, and then introduced the new laws after it was it had had a settling in period. They mm-hmm. brought too much in too soon, and they can't cope with it because they're having to interpret these new laws as to whether they're right or wrong, and they're not getting these decisions right. I think the other thing that plays into it, and one of the big reasons why VAR was uh, was kind of brought in, and why it was initially something that the football authorities wanted to look at, was because. Um, the replay system in American sports has been an absolute godsend. It has it's made uh, outcomes much more fair and it's picked up egregious fouls and things that haven't been spotted by referees. The problem with it in the context of football is that all American sports have breaks all of the time. In between every part of the action there is a natural stop at which point then someone can press a button and go we're going to review that because we think it might be a bit dodgy VAR I think has been a failure because it relies on somebody pressing a button next time the ball goes out of play which could be one minute two minutes after an incident takes Mm. place and that's where the frustration lies um 
I think if they are going to fix it, and I'm sure they will, because I, I don't think the, you know the genie's out of the bottle now. Uh, they're going to have to say, okay, we are going to invoke VAR only when a decision leads to a stoppage in play, and then we'll review it at that stoppage. Um, I, I, can, I for one, I, I, I will. Go on, Stevie. So, sorry, I was just going to say I completely agree with you, but I think one of the other overriding issues with VAR is that it's so it's almost objective because of the fact that the people that are making the decisions, they aren't the home team or the, the away team. There is a decision to be made, but it's you know they're, they're, there's no appeal there. If you look at cricket, for example, if if somebody's going to go to um, to to the, the the their version, forgive me. Um, yeah, the, the decision you know, review DRS, the, the, division review system. The, the, thank you. That, that's the word, that, that's what I'm looking for. Um, they go to DRS. It's somebody that appeals, but there's no appeal system, is there? There's a, no. there's a referee no. sitting in in a, in a, a room, an office, wherever, and they're going to say, right, in 30 seconds' time, we're going to look at that decision, and we're going to make a decision on it. Um, it's not the captain of the team. It's not Tom Lees. It's not Julian Berner. It's not Gary Monk or whoever it is that's going to say, right, we want to look at, we want to review that, we want to look at it. And until that evolves into a situation where somebody says, and I think that's the answer, you know, we feel aggrieved. Sheffield Wednesday felt aggrieved on Sunday that there was a, a penalty decision to be reviewed. We've got this many appeals. We would like to have a look at that again. That's where it would work. And you know, under the circumstances and the, the the context that it is now, I don't think it works because there isn't that sort of it's, it's being made by the decisions being made by neutral people that don't have a an affection to either one of the teams. So it's it's quite impersonal, isn't it? Are we talking? We want to go to like almost like uh, Britain's Got Talent, like the golden buzzer. You know, we need to for, for the, those dugouts to have like a massive, you know, like catchphrase, like one of those. Boop! Things that they push it down, and that creates the review. And you only get three in a game. And if you lose all three, like you get a goal given against you, that would create a bit of jeopardy. It's, I'd be, I'd be all into that. I think, I think that's the way forward. You've got so many reviews. Uh, you yeah. could, you, you know, 30, thirty seconds in, left back pings it down the wing. It goes out of play for a throw in. You want to contest it, right? There's your review. If you're going to do it for such flippant reasons, then fair enough. But if it makes you more economical, doesn't it? As with the the decisions that you're appealing, if Sheffield Wednesday, if we'd have had a chance the other day to say, right, we want to have that decision reviewed, we'd have done it and we'd have looked at it and we'd have said, right, and it would have been a nailed on penalty. Um, you know, VAR in in its current format doesn't work because it's not there's no there's no heart there, there's no passion, there's no feeling about it. There's nobody really cares in terms of the people that are making the decisions and. Without feeling, it doesn't work. So what we're saying deep down is... He said is really, e- really emotionally. <laughs> no, I think absolutely. Uh, what we're saying deep down is EFL, um, if you can get Mr. Chips from Catchphrase involved, then we will accept <laughs> VAR in this league. <laughs> simple, simple. Um, so, yeah, so halftime came and went. Um, it was 1-0 to the good guys. Uh, the second half, Huddersfield showed some spunk. They they brought a, a double substitution on. Um uh, Bakuna Matata, Janino Bakuna, uh, he forced Kieran Westwood into a, a really good save low down. And he wasn't testing much with Westwood, but he he was even uh, to the task. He was more than a match for the shot when it came in. And then, um, Laura, we, we talked about it a little bit before. Uh, what a sublime second goal as well. From uh, you know, from Sam Winnell, but 
talk a little bit about the build-up to it because that's got to be as good a football display that we've put in this season. Yeah, it was really professional. We we obviously came with a game plan, which Monk had clearly set out to them. They played in the positions that they were told to play in, uh, and they worked really hard. There was a lot of industry there. Bannon, who can be a bit sulky sometimes, let's not let's not um, argue about that, is that he can get right marred on, and but he didn't. He he worked really hard and. He were terrier-like, if you forgive the pun. Uh, in the, he were going in, uh, taking balls off uh, midfielders. And that cross that he put in for Winnall were just so beautifully weighted. He didn't even, like, stop it dead. He took a swing at it, and it, were just, it just landed on his head. It were beautiful. Loved it. <laughs> Sam <laughs> Sam Winnell has kind of gone from um, like skin fade Peaky Blinder style haircut to complete mop top. Do we feel that his heading ability has got better on the basis that he's got like a softer landing area for the for the, the headers now? Because I I think he was trying too hard last season and he wasn't getting a game at Wednesday. And now he's kind of gone a little bit traveller and it seems to have all come on top for him. A little bit traveller. Reach is in trouble then. Honestly, we keep a... We, uh, are we talking about moving his hair? Because before we move off his hair, I think it's really important to note that the last two seasons, hairstyle-wise, I think we were all really trying too hard. I think everyone was a little bit too over-groomed. It feels like we've come back this season, everyone's let it all go to the weeds a little bit. You know, Adam Reach has had his hair cut. That's the most you can say about it. It's, it's shorter. There is, there's no attempt at trying to style it and make it look good. Um and it, we're playing much better with it. So, you know, it, let's let's talk about the movement, but let's also, let's not underestimate the importance of not giving a shit about your hair anymore for the, for the gram. <laughs> well, one of the Steves, there was one of the Steves who disappeared up to the northeast, actually a qualified hairdresser. Possibly, he was like there was no training going on. He was just like, right, lads, lads, we're gonna have the first two hours. We're just gonna get a fresh trim, make sure everyone's looking properly good. Um, but the results didn't come. So, the Vidal Sassoon of the of the training training room. <laughs> yes, but yeah. So we were talking about movement on the pitch, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, <laughs> oh God! I think when the, the ball in the ball in from Bannon was fantastic. I, I also think you, you watch it again and, and look at Winnell's movement for the ball, you know, and and that head, it it was great. I, 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 it'd be nice if uh, Gary Monk can can take Winnell and and turn him into the striker that he's done at other clubs, where he's gone in and taken players who haven't quite hit, hit, hit the floor running and, and then turn them into an asset who is scoring goals. He's done it at Birmingham, he did it at Leeds. Let's hope he does it at Wednesday. He's mm. had a difficult few years, though, with Nolante. He's not he been settled since all that happened with Forestieri. 
Um, no. And then he got shipped off to, to Derby in the worst swap deal that we've ever done. <laughs> he ended up with Jacob Butterfield. Hey. Um, it, but then he did his cruciate ligament, didn't he? And that's difficult to come back from. So the fact that Monk has seen something in him, even in these first few like days that he's been here, is a good sign. It means that he thinks that he's ready to do some good. And he proved him mm. right on Sunday. So we close out the game without too much trouble. Um, do we... Uh, right, so... We have beaten Huddersfield handily. Okay, they are, um, a, a, it, as far as the table's concerned, a terrible team, one of the worst in the championship. Do we take much stock from that result? Were Huddersfield as bad as their position suggested? Or was that actually a really encouraging win rather than one that we just we just had to to get the three points out of Stevie. How, how does that feel in terms of where we position ourselves, um, knowing that we've got uh, you know quite an intensive stretch coming up now? Yeah. Um, if I'm honest, I don't really care about Huddersfield and how good or bad they were. Um, to be honest with you, it was all about getting the result, you know, the new manager in. Um, I just feel personally, we, we sometimes when we, we, we're in this situation where a new manager comes into the club, uh, especially when you've got another new manager in the opposite sort of dugout, it, it never tends to go. I just feel it never tends to go for us. Um, so I, first and foremost, getting three points in was was an absolute necessity, an absolute must. I think the the goals that we've scored were, were fantastic. There were stretches of play, phases of play that were that were really really good. Um, it was nice to hear Monk talking about how you know we've kept a clean sheet and we were good defensively, but you know there's a lot to work on going forwards. Um, which was pleasing, you know, he, he's not resting on his laurels by all accounts. So, um, no, I was pleased. Um, as I said, I, I'm, I'm not overly concerned with Huddersfield. I'm more bothered about what we do and where we are looking at the stretch of games we've got going forward. A massive game Saturday, an absolutely massive game Saturday. Um, and then we've got one or two difficult uh, teams to, to sort of come up against in the next three, four games. Uh, we've got a hell of a run in October, November time. So, um, We'll see where we are in in sort of four or five games. Yeah, and so right now, um, Wednesday ninth of the table, uh, with seven games played, we are a point off the playoffs. Which I think, I think everyone could say, okay, we're right in the chase for that, and and that's where we need to be. Um, only four points off the top at this point, so no one's running away from it. Is it more important uh, that we are positioning ourselves? Um, kind of within the chasing pack, and we're looking at looking at the points. And you know, James Marriott, bless him, um, he would get really angry if we ever looked at the table before Christmas. So it wasn't about positions <laughs> for him. Um, I, Laura, would you say that the most important thing to come out of Sunday was a we are still within touching distance, you know, a game, a game and a half from the very very top of the table, or is it that we have arrested that? two-game slide that we were on? I think the latter. I think I think we've not got to kind of look at the table. We've got a new manager in. We need to get on a winning run. We need to get Monk to sort his team out as he likes it because I'm pretty sure that he's come in and looked at it and gone, I don't like that bit, I don't like that bit. Get it sorted out. We need to be 
getting settled under a new manager and as long as we can keep getting results because I mean we've not drawn yet have we we've um we've been winning and losing so it'd be interesting to see how the results go whether uh, Monk decides to um go for these draws rather than going full out for uh, attacking winning because that's what we did against Huddersfield we did attack them which were pleasing to see yeah, well, I think, it, is it a sign of the times that it's basically, you know, it's like, you know, leave, remain, you know, Brexit or stay, Labour or Tory, it's, it's win or lose as far as we're concerned in football these days. Draws are boring. I'm, I'm all about it. I'm all about the fact that we go shit or bust for some things. And I don't want a manager who's thinking about shoring it up for 80 minutes and let's try and hit him on the break. I I would sooner go with that. Remember Ozzy Ardiles uh, as manager of Spurs and he just went 5-0-5 as his formation. I like that FIFA level shithousery where you just that go, well, it's fuck Kevin it. Kevin I would say, yeah, absolutely. It's Kevin Keegan tactics. It's basically, I'd... as long as you score one more goal than them, then you concede, then it doesn't matter. So every it... game's like 5-4. Oh, the last, yeah, the last 10 days. I like that idea. Yeah, I've been sold on the idea of Gary Monk, but if, if you're going to turn around and say Gary Monk's going to play for a draw, well, bollocks to that. I, you know, I'm not I'm not bothered. Well, I'd you don't sooner... know, though, do you? Well, I, I don't, I, well, don't know we don't know. what his mindset is, do you? Well, I don't want that. In fact, look, look. I there's a part of me who thinks that he's insisted that the squad have uh, raggedy haircuts just to make himself look good because he he has a very fresh trim. He, he has a it, very very nice haircut, doesn't he? Very. Nice I described haircut. him as a Tesco value Ricky Wilson from the Kaiser Chiefs. Actually, I think Ricky Wilson is a Tesco value Gary Monk, having seen him on that touchline. Um, and and before we close this out. On the subject, um, so Stephen Fletcher, we've talked about his form. We've talked about this renaissance, this rejuvenation of the man. When is he, when is, when is Barry Bannon going to take him to one side and say, listen, Steve, I saw the light this summer. I buzzed that hair. I'm not even pretending that it's there anymore. What are you doing? Because those cameras weren't kind to Stephen Fletcher at the weekend. Whenever you saw the back of his head, it was, he looked like Skeletor. There was no hair there whatsoever. <laughs> did, did, didn't they did, both go for hand, did, hair transplants at the end of last that's season? That's what I was just going to say. Well, yeah. one of them, yeah, they, well, they, one of them hasn't taken. They, they, I mean, he's had one before. Didn't he used to be on the back of the Daily Mail in some sort of hair? Him and Michael Vaughan used to yeah, be on the back Sh- of the paper. Shane Warne. Him, Shane Warne and Vaughan talking about yeah. uh, the, 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 the Bel- the Belgravia Hair Clinic or whatever it is. That was the one. That was the one. And, and he came to Hillsborough and I went, I'd get my money back if I were you, lad. And, and, and then they've both, got, they've both gone off again. And it's funny because we were watching it and I was sitting there and I'm thinking... I'd get my money back if I were you, Steve. I don't know how much you paid for that. Did you? Did he go to one of these cheap ones? In is it Turkey and have it I done don't... there, or is he? You know, <laughs> I think out of the two of them, I think Barry's got the better deal. To be honest, well, it's difficult think... with Barry with that beard, isn't it? It's very difficult. Which way is his head? Is it? Is well, it exactly. He could have his head could be on upside down for all you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Oh. 
I don't know. I, I, would, I just worry about Stephen. Hashtag pray for Stephen. Um, I wonder whether he saw, he saw Barry got some results and then he was on his Facebook later on and it was one of those like advert sponsored posts that came up and he bought it from China and it was a kit and he, pro- he had to rub it into his scalp <laughs> two days uh, a week and it just, it just never took. But he's too proud. He's too proud to say it, it was a bad decision. Um, but he's scoring goals, so <laughs> let's not complain too much. Yeah, crack on. We we spent too much time on a Wednesday week trying uh, to you know worrying too much about how beautiful our squad are. They're all beautiful in their own way. We're all God's children. Um, so that is Huddersfield. <laughs> that is Huddersfield. We're all God's children. Um, that is. I went to see the Book of Mormon last night. This is why I was in London. Got last minute tickets to see the Book of Mormon. Um, I've been quite spiritual since. Um, so yes, we, we are, we're all, we're all God's children and Fletch is, uh, the kind of bastard stepchild. Um, Fulham. you be taking on multiple wives then? No, well, no, it turns out, I read, I've been reading on the way back up that apparently the Church of Latter-day Saints don't do that anymore. Um, they're, they're moving with the times. Not only that, not only apparently is bigamy not great. Um, they also, in 1978, they said it was all right to be black. So, um, you know, they're basically at the cutting edge. Very, very kind of them. Of inclusion. Very gracious. Absolutely. I would would recommend the Book of Mormon. Thank God for that. Excellent. The the Book of Mormon (laughs) is basically like a Salt Lake City version of of the Full Monty. So I would recommend it to anyone. Um, Look, we have gone so far off piece there uh, as to be ridiculous. (laughs) I'm a terrible host and I should be brought back. Um, So... That was Sunday. Uh, basically, this week there is nothing much happening. Um, but Saturday, as we just alluded to, we have got a an absolutely huge game uh, because Fulham are coming to town. So I think we talked at the start of the season, we've talked pretty much every week since. Wednesday had, by rights, one of the easiest starts of the season that any team in the championship could have. And I think we've made a pretty decent fist of it. Um Fulham are coming to town, and I, I don't know, Simon. There's part of me that worries because this is a big team, a big name team with some pretty imposing names on their team sheet. They come to Hillsborough further down the league than us. So, what do we expect from Fulham? Is this? Are we worried because they are? Um, they're a team that are expected to be up at the top, or? Do we feel like we're catching them at the right time because they are massively underperforming? I, I think we've got them at the right time. Um, if you look at their results, I mean, they lost against Barnsley and Forest. I mean, their run so far, you know, they, they beat Huddersfield, Blackburn, Millwall. They gave Millwall a good stuff in uh, and they're drawn to. Um, uh, Drew West, West Brom, last minute goal from West Brom. I, I'm just a little bit worried about their strikers. Um, the the guy up front, is it Mitrovic? Mitrovic, who, Mitrovic who, yeah. It, it, yeah, Mitrovic. I mean, he's scoring. Um, I think he played for them when down at Hillsborough, didn't he, where the season they went up. Um, we've got to be on top form at the back. Uh, I hope Tom Leesy's back and fit. Um, that allows you know two natural centre backs to be there. We've we've got a and also as well, you've got Knockhart who absolutely bloody hates Wednesday, doesn't he? Oh, he's, he's like so a bogey he, player, he will, isn't he? He will, he will do anything and everything to score against us. 
So, you know, there's an added spice here, isn't there, Laura? Because it looks like uh, Michael Hector and Josh Onomar might be returning, just not in the blue and white stripes. Do, do we think that's going to affect the performance? And what sort of reaction do you think they'll get from the Hillsborough crowd? Oh, they'll get a good reception. They they were decent players. Well, I know Mud didn't massively play, but Hector was a bit of a legend in the time that he was there. Um, he's going to get a really good uh, evasion when he comes, but I don't think it matters. Well, he I can't play can't until he's not on them. He's not playing. Until he can't January. play till January, can he? No, 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 he can't play till January. So what's he do? Is he just there? Just going to wait for the crowd, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he signed a pre-contract, hasn't he, to join them in in January? So right. I think he's training with them. But Onomar's so only can't made. Play. Yeah, can't play. But Onomar's only made um, two two appearances for them since he signed I, I, for them. Yeah, I think only came on for the last couple of minutes yeah. against West Brom yeah, as well, yeah. didn't he? So yeah, um, yeah. it's uh, yeah. No difference then, does it? <laughs> so given 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 what we know about Michael Hector and given what we've seen so far. About Julian Berner, uh, Stevie. If you were, if you're given the choice now, pick one of them. <sighs> who who's going to anchor the Wednesday defence for the next five years? Well, it's got to be Berner, hasn't it? He's, yes, he's it does. Yes, correct so, answer. Um, there's your answer. I, I I I said in the summer. I you know massive fan of Hector. I thought he, he brought an assuredness and. I actually think he was a better of the two centre-halves that we played last year. Um, he just had a style and a, a manner about himself. And, um, you know, I was really disappointed that we couldn't get him get it over the line in the summer. But Berner's come in. I think Berner, you know, fantastic little player he is, or big player he is. Um, <laughs> he's, he's done really... Yeah, I thought I'd chuck that one in. <laughs> um, he's, he's done really well for himself. Uh, this year, I'm really pleased with the way that he's settled in. A um, bit of a cult following. Uh, I've got five-year-old daughter sings his song. Um, not the full, not the full version of the song, but she, <laughs> yeah, she, she, she's a she's a Berna fan. Yeah, 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 yes, exactly that. <laughs> the uh, the PG version, but uh, yeah. no, um, I think Berna's here. We've got to put the faith in the players that we've got. Um, I'm a fan. I, I think honestly, he's got all the building blocks to be an absolute superstar for us. And I, I, I almost already see the the time in a year's time or two years' time where we lose him to a, a you know a Premier League club or um, back to one of the top clubs in Germany or wherever. Because I, I honestly believe he's got everything that he needs to be a top, top, top player. So I kind of feel let's use him. While we know while while he's still ours, because if we don't get promoted, I can't imagine that he'll uh, he'll stay given a, a better offer. But um, oh, you know that's all for the future. That's for we'll talk about that after we've been promoted in May. Um, so Simon, so we talked about who Fulham have at their disposal, especially going forward. Um, you know, we talked about Knockart, Tom Kearney, Cavaliero, Mitrovic, especially given that we're slightly threadbare. In defence, uh, do we feel like we've got the the, the quality to the, you know to prevent these guys from scoring, or maybe even prevent them from scoring more than one um, that'll give us give us the chance to uh, to get enough down the other end to to get a result out of the game? So, um, 
One thing I like from Gary Monk and what he's been saying in the press and he said on Sunday was that he's going to stop. He's not going to worry about other teams. He's going to get Wednesday playing in such a way that teams worry about us. I think, look, if Tom Lees is fit, I'd be happier. I thought I offered did a good job on Sunday, but we need to be firing on all cylinders at the back. But also, I think we need Hutch and Bannon really firing all cylinders in midfield to stop anybody creating any sort of goals for these guys because if they get a, that if they create a chance they'll put it away you know and and, mm. and that'll come from their midfield i think at the back i think we've got a chance against fulham's back four you know you've got you've got they, they, they've they've been conceding goals um so it, we've got every chance look if we if we play some of the football we i thought we played from the midfield on sunday We've got every chance, got every chance. He's yeah. he's had a, he's I had another week. Sorry, Laura, go on. No, I was just going to say, I think it's actually more positive than we're making it out to be because they, they don't actually store, uh, score as many as their stats show. Because, I mean, mm. they've got the most successful passes overall, most successful passes in an opposition half, most chances created, most shots on target, and highest average possession. Yeah, we should be shitting ourselves looking at them stats. But they don't <laughs> score as many as, as they actually should be. Um, yeah. So, and they're actually a lot weaker in defence than than they should be as well. I mean, I, I've got I've got some Fulham fans that uh, are on my Twitter feed, and they were having a right meltdown this season about their goalkeeper Bettinelli. He let in another owler at the weekend, and if he's pressurised, and we, we've got Fletcher in good form, and we've got Kadeem Harris going at him, and we've got Bannon that can put crosses in, and potentially we've got Winnell wanting to prove a point. I think we've got a better chance than people are making out that we've got. We've got to play to our strengths and not worry, or you know, completely worry about playing defensive and stopping their, 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 their attacking players. We've got to play our mm. game of football, and we've got to push them and like you say you know push on that back four threaten the keeper you know and 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 if we you know if i thought you know going back to sorry sunday's game i thought adam reach had a brilliant game he were all over the place to say he was almost playing up front he creates he helped create both goals you know if we can get him more into the game he had a couple of good chances as well you know i think we can take the game to them take the game to them you know and, and if we take the game mm. to them Get two or three up. We're talking about Kevin Keegan's side. Come on, get two or three up, yeah. and they've got to score four. Come on, let's go for it. You know? say the thing I worry about is our fullbacks. Is the fact that they've got Knockart, Mitrovic, and Cavallero up front, and then we've got Odebayu and Palmer trying to stop them down the wings. Yeah, I mean that's that's the bit that worries me. But if we can play to our strengths, and Monk has already identified that we clearly are good. Especially down that uh, down that left hand side with uh, with Harris, then we should be taking the game to win, trying to prove a point. Uh, look, number one, Liam Palmer will not get beaten. The only time that Liam Palmer gets beaten nowadays is when Ramon, his evil stepbrother, um, somehow kidnaps him and stops <laughs> him playing. As of as of last year, we even retiring the idea of Ramon because Liam Palmer is. Um, the heart and soul of Sheffield Wednesday, and he does not make mistakes anymore. Do not let me down, Liam Palmer. Um, Stevie, I put you on the spot. Prediction for the scoreline against Fulham. Oh. My heart says I'd take a point, 
but uh, sorry, my head said I'd take a point. I, I, I've got it in me. I, I do think we, we we might just nick it. I think that that groundswell of um, you know the the home advantage, Gary Monk's first game at Hillsborough. Um, I'd like to think there'd be a decent crowd there against a team that's just come out of the Premier League. You know, um, I think I, I think it's there. I think it's there for us. They they do concede goals. Um, if we get Lees back, you know, Burner there. I'm a fan of Palmer. Um, I've, I've said that before. Uh, I am a fan of Palmer. I think we might just um, do the Newcastle, score one more than them. Um, and I'll be happy with that. That's a brilliant. So you started out with, uh, we might get the odd goal and finish it up with, we're going yeah, to get, get the odd it's goal a, in a 9-8 in a thriller. <laughs> it's a process. It's a process. <laughs> it's a pro- tr- hashtag trust the process. Uh, Simon, you uh, this was you created this monster. Uh, you were the one who said that it was going to be a high-scoring game. Is that is that what you're nailing on? Do you think it's going to be uh, goals, goals, goals? At one 0 Wednesday. Brilliant. Uh, great. This is the Wednesday week where we talk for 10 minutes about something and then predict the exact opposite. Totally uh, contradict ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Laura, have you got anything to add to this shit show? Two on Wednesday. Two on Wednesday. Fantastic. Two on Wednesday. Brilliant. Well, I, I, I think Wednesday are going to uh, win it three tests to two and uh, and take the Ashes back. Um, yes, we'll find out, won't we? 3pm, Saturday kickoff uh, at the Theatre of Shattered Dreams. Let's see where Wednesday are come 10 to 5 on Saturday. Um, it's a very, very short break after that game, come win, lose or draw, because on Tuesday we're back to uh, the Rumbelows Cup. Uh, we have got a, a plum draw at home to Premier League giants and former Sheffield Wednesday bogey side, Everton. Um, Si, what are you thinking about Everton? Do you think Gary Monk cares about the uh, the the Milk Cup, the Carling Cup, the Worthington Cup, uh, the, the Carabao, as we call it now? Are we going to see a first team uh, getting picked or do we feel it's going to be in the vein of both Jos and um, Carlos Cavallar, that it's going to be kind of a Dawson in nets and uh, build it build it up with reserves from there. I'd like to see him field the full first team. To be honest, um, mm. I think I think you know I think we we did we not do that against Arsenal. It was a pretty much a, a first team that, and when we beat Arsenal. Um, I, they're, they're probably going to come into it. Everton are probably going to come into it and, and probably pay, play some youth players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, um, I think we Monk's going to see and wants to again see his squad and see how 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 he wants to play things. Um, why not? Why not play the full full team? You know, we won this back in 1991. I know it was a long time ago, but you know, why not play the full team? You know, it, it, we've got a chance here. We might have a chance to move a bit further on. You know, I think it. Personally, for me, it's a disres- disrespect to the cup when we start playing uh, the, the, the the second string, so to speak. And it, and it's Everton. You know, people who have paid money to come and watch Wednesday play the Premiership squad. So why not play the strongest side? I'd love it, it to be, be one of the... Monk, though, wouldn't it? Oh, no, absolutely it would. I, and I, and I, I say I'd love it to have that big cup night um, you know, midweek at Hillsborough Field that we've not really had since the Arsenal game. Um, 
Do, you know, does it matter, you know, Laura, as just as a fan, forget about what it is, you know, how we have to consider balancing the needs of uh, keeping the team fresh for the league games and the promotion push and blah, blah, blah. Um, as a fan, aren't these the nights that you live for? Absolutely. You think how wonderful that night were against Arsenal mm. and just how it mm-hmm. felt to be in, in Hillsborough with it having that feeling that we remember from, oh God knows, like 30 years ago now, where it was just electric and you can feel it and we need more of that. And in Monk's case, win, winning breeds winning. So if if he can get a win out of Everton, that's a hell of a start for him. He can, he can use that to motivate him to, to keep going. Oh. Well, think about that win against Arsenal as well. I mean, I mean that came out of the blue. Arsenal got some, you know, they played the second team, but the second team, Christ, was a good team as well. You know, <laughs> and, was and it hundred million pounds yeah. that team was yeah, worth? Yeah, exactly, it? exactly. And um, and my my, you know, I've got over our years, how many times have we seen Wednesday play Arsenal, especially in '93? But you know, <laughs> there, there's 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 kids out there who have never seen Wednesday play a Premiership team before. You know, and and, and my, my son, uh, yeah. <laughs> my son, you know, he's now seen him play Arsenal and he's seen him play Chelsea. So he's going to see him play Everton on on that night, and and he's going to be saying, "Hang on, you know, you've got you've got Pickford in goal. There's 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 Delph. You've got Walcott inside. You've got Michael Keane, Leighton Baines, England players. You know, it, it, it doesn't come around very often." You know, it used to come around every every week, didn't it? When during the yeah, during yeah. the nineties, you know, we've had nineteen nineteen years of it, have we? You know, have not yeah. seen these players. But think of that when we beat Arsenal and how that then affected the team, the crowd, the fans, and then what sort of season we had that season. We we emulate it again. You don't know what sort of season we're going to have. Like like Laura said, it, it breeds winning. Winning breeds winning, and and you've got to put a full team out for that. Yeah. yeah, and you absolutely. know what? Like you say, it sets the season up, doesn't it? You know that it that like winning breeds winning. It's the it's that team and that fan base and that management. You bond in nights like that. Those giant killing nights are the things that can carry you on through the dark days of winter. So I, you know, I really hope that Wednesday put out a, a really strong team, and I, I hope we take it to Everton and and show them that. Uh, that we're we're ready. We're ready to meet the challenge, and we understand what the, what we're gonna face uh, as and when we get up, which will obviously be this year. And I know we've said that for the last nineteen years, but obviously that's gonna happen. <laughs> I've still got my Premier League return ticket that um, that I got after we got relegated in nineteen ninety nine two thousand. So um, yeah, I'm ready to cash that in. Um, so speaking of the nineteen nineties, uh, forty six years ago today. Wednesday legend Petter Rudy was born, so happy birthday to Petter. Um, <laughs> what what are our memories of Petter Rudy? Because I know at the time he was almost a little bit of a figure of fun that he didn't, he wasn't quite the level of quality and class that we expected wearing the blue and white stripes. Um, we'd snap your hand off, wouldn't we, right now to have a player of the quality of Petter Rudy playing for Wednesday. <laughs> It, it, do you know what? I didn't realise he was only 46. It just ages me because I'm 42. <laughs> I know. I yeah. know when I saw, 
Yeah. 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 Jesus, he's only six years older than me. He always seemed about 20 years older than me when I was in the 90s. I'm, I'm keeping quiet because he's actually three years younger than me. So, Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> how, how much of a shock is that, though? Because I, So he must have been, when he was playing for Wednesday, he must have just been in his early 20s. And he looked... Yeah, he, he looked and played like he was 36. So... Yeah, you know, unbe- unbelievable. But I honestly he, he think that... He came into the Wednesday side when we were struggling, didn't he? You know, he, he joined us in 97. Three years yeah. later, we got relegated. He come in, Chris, yeah. Waddle had, Chris Waddle had gone. He come in, he had a bit of a look of a Waddle about him. And, and I mean, I remember we always used to say we're Bambi on ice. They were all legs, weren't he? And, and, and he'd do a fantastic Maisie run, get in front of goal and sky it over the top. Um I, I I don't know. I think I think we ruined him. To be honest, I think he came in in a time. <laughs> Di Canio Di Canio had his pushing, shoving. Um, Carboni won't go to Southampton. You know, uh, we had uh, David Pleat brought him in. Oh, then he went through obviously the Danny Wilson time. The poor lad, God and Bennett. You know, no wonder he no wonder he looks older than me. Um, <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, the poor lads didn't didn't exactly come in in the right time, did they? So can you imagine? Can you imagine yeah. your life where you join Wednesday and you're like you're 22 and uh, you get told, right, we, we wanted to anchor midfield. Uh, he goes, right, oh, fine, no, that's, I can do that. That's great. Yeah. Um, who am I going to be working with? He goes, well, we've just signed this lad called Danny Sonner. He's going to be brilliant. Um, yeah, that's that's gonna, that's going to finish you straight away, isn't it? But uh, I, you know, it'll be great. I, we don't get at half. You know, at half time, we do. There's this. You know, they're talking about a managerial merry-go-round. There's the merry-go-round of uh, 50-50 ticket drawing uh, ex-Wednesday players. And it, they, it's just the same 20 that just get repeated all the time. I'd love it for some of those players, your Petter Rudys, your Nicholas Alexandersons, to come back and, um, and, and you know, even maybe organise an evening where they can just chat away to fans who really appreciated their work. And, and, maybe, and maybe we didn't appreciate them at the time, but... If you look back on get those VHS videos back out, you watch the quality that Petter Rudy brought. Bambi on ice be damned. Um, he would walk into the team that we have at the moment and uh, and, and I'll, I'll you know I will fight his corner. I don't care what you say. What at, four, at 46 years old he'd walk in? Um well, no, probably not right now. Probably not. Maybe right last now. year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, under Yoss, he probably would have been first choice. So uh Yes, captain. yes. He'd have been yeah. captain. He'd have been, of course, he'd been skipper. <laughs> no problem at all. He'd have developed a really good holding, shepherd accent holding by mid, now. Holding midfielder, he would have been, wouldn't he? He had in to be control. a fetus for... <laughs> a fetus for <laughs> Speaking of which, we're going the other end of the... Uh, um, the age range. Uh, Alex Hunt has just signed the new contract on Wednesday. Public service announcement. He's uh, he's sticking with the club. Does it? It doesn't look like we're going to be doing any of this sending the uh, fringe youth team players out on loan like we used to do a lot of it. That seems to really have dried up, doesn't it? We sent a There's, few out though. Yeah, we sent a couple out, haven't we? Lad up to mm. up, up to Scotland, and then Living, Livingston, Livingston, yeah. and the lad's gone over to. In fact, one of the lads, um, oh, what's his name? He's gone Pe- over to Pe- Penny's gone to Joss, hasn't he? Penny's yeah, he's gone, gone to, to Joss. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah.
Yeah, Sam Pauli. Yeah, yeah he, first game came on immediately straight red, didn't he? Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, what you know. What do we think is the best thing to do with those with those places? Obviously, under under Yoss, um, because he was freezing out every single one of the senior pros. They would basically they were the first team. So, uh, is it is it more healthy for them to stay at Hillsborough and be understudies? Is it more healthy for them to get game time, not necessarily at St. Pauli, but elsewhere? From Just my point of view, I think believe it's youth. I, I look. I've got my finger on the nub of youth, but I'm not sure about Gary Monk. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> St- Stevie. What were you saying? I, I I just think if if they're going to be in and around the club, they need involvement. Um, yeah. if, if that be you know half an hour on the bench, off the bench, you know we. You look at our bench, and we we we've got a it's it's you know it's well established that we've got a, a very experienced squad now. We you look at our bench on Saturday, it's likely to involve Newhu, Rhodes, uh, Winnell, Lee, any combination of player that's been there for five six years. Are they all going to be? They're not all going to be coming on. Are there, is there an opportunity to put somebody in there like a like a hunt that could maybe get some time, you know, against a team like Fulham? If not, then let them go. Let, let them go out to a you know a, a League Two side. Go up to Scotland. Go where they need to go. Go get some experience. Go see what it's all about, and then come back and you know add to the squad. Don't go to Scotland though. That, I mean, that's just monkey tennis, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. If, if if they're going to go up there, they might as well come and play northeast counties. To be honest with you, but... <laughs> I think the so... under twenty threes and the way the way they've run the under twenty threes, not so much the other day, but they've been mixing. You now they've been using the under twenty threes for for some of the first team to get fit again in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, Forestieri will probably play a few games with them. Um, I, I don't know whether his band covers the under twenty threes, but. He might well play a few games with them. And I think Monk's had a few of the lads training with the first team as well. So I agree, you've yeah. got to keep them under the same roof and get them mixing with the senior players. You know, to, you know some of the way they train and, and some of the skills that the senior players have got, it's got to rub off on the young lads, hasn't it, surely? Oh, you, mm. you know, so especially if you've got um, these senior pros who are, you know, they're not just mentors on the pitch, they're also mentors in terms of how to be a professional, how to conduct yourself, um, you know, how to keep fit and to stay away from the many temptations and pleasures that, that football brings. And obviously also great mentors when it comes to hairstyles. So, uh, you know, look, long may it continue. <laughs> um, look, that's that's all the news from Sheffield Wednesday. If there's anything else that, that there is that anyone wants to bring up, well, you are wrong because we've covered it all. Um, it's the end of the Wednesday week for this week. Um, Laura, we're going to do our goodbyes. If those people who enjoy the internet and football together would like to contact you and talk to you about um, every aspect of what you've just said and uh, hold you to account for the falsehoods that you have purveyed tonight, how would they contact you? (laughs) Okay. I'm glad that you're pointing out that it's falsehoods and me. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, I am on uh, at Yaistor. That's why... I-C-E-T-O-R. On Twitter, not on Instagram, not on Snapchat. Uh, No, I don't see the point of Instagram. 
You know what? My kids have got into TikTok recently and I've literally had an existential uh, crisis yeah. as to whether I should start doing TikTok. And then I realised that basically it's just miming along to songs. I do that quite happily in the yes. kitchen without needing to broadcast it on social media. So um, I'm not going to get involved with any and, of that. And you're not 12. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, as we talked about at the start of the show, mentally, I've never developed beyond that. I, I, I find it quite exciting yeah. to... Arrested my, development, yeah. Well, well, exactly. They were a great band when I was 11 or 12. So, um, <laughs> Mr. Wendell. Um, Simon, if, if the Wednesday family want to get involved and understand uh, your particular and peculiar view on football, where would they get hold of you? Oh, dear. I'm on Twitter at Simon... Jixer, which is G-I-X-E-R 1000. They can come and see. It's very boring, not very interesting. Tends to be photographs of my boy playing football or pointing at German cars where the registration says cock. <laughs> There's nothing that you are parenting 100 right there. Um, <laughs> Stevie, likewise, if anyone wants to hear your musings on the beautiful world of football, how would they get hold of you? Yeah, if they want to hear me moan, you can catch me on Twitter at Spendog, S-P-E-N-D-O-G-G. We love the D-O-G-G again. I think we're, we're all dating ourselves at this point, the, uh, the Snoop D-O-G-G. Um, <laughs> right. And likewise, uh, I am available on Twitter at Sausage Arms. Um, come at me. Give me some hints on how to be a, a, a better host because, look, this is the Dan Fudge show. I'm only doing the, you know, when the, the big American talk show hosts have a holiday and they get like the, the second the, the second stringers in. That's what we're doing here tonight. This is, you know, these guys are, are putting up with the fact that I'm an absolutely useless host by comparison. Um, Dan Fudge will be back next week. I think I'm on as a panellist next week rather than, than a host. He's going to be the Dara O'Brien um, and I'm going to be the Frankie Boyle. So uh, so look out for that. <laughs> um, we, we will be back next week. Uh Thank you, guys. Thank you for giving your opinions on a busy, busy week of Football for Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, let's go on to Fulham. Let's absolutely smash them London bastards um, and then go on and smash the Scousers <laughs> as well on Tuesday. So we will be back to talk about those two games um, on Wednesday night, probably with you on Thursday morning by the time it's edited. This is the Wednesday week. Until next week, enjoy your time. Keep up to date with the Wednesday Week on Twitter at TWWcast or on our website, thewednesdayweek.co.uk. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points back of the net. Lubosh. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. <laughs> Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.